Welcome in, Traveler. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast. It's time to level up in fantasy football. RPG Nation, welcome back. Episode 37 in the books. As some of you may have noticed, we had a gap week last week, and we are planning to make that up to you all with an excellent episode this week featuring our good buddy Evan Lowe and yours truly beginning our new segment, tackling each division one by one reviewing every team within it in its entirety as it relates to Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're going with the old worst is the first mentality and starting with everyone's favorite, the NFC South with such Herculean teams as the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just getting, getting all sweaty just thinking about these powerhouses but you know there could be some value on some of these teams i think that's what we will end up discovering after we go through them all value to be had sneaky value which is one of the pillars of good dynasty football you know every qb in that division is going to be a brand new thing so that's going to be transformative for all of these offenses And there are definitely some young stars that we can get excited over at the very least. Well, on like three out of the four teams. But Evan and I are going to talk about the NFC South nonetheless and give you all that overview to keep you fresh going into, well, I'm saying going into Dynasty football season, but we're in it, baby. This is it. This is the time right here, right now. This is when... It's awesome to be a dynasty football player because it's the one time where most people aren't thinking about fantasy football, but we still are. So hopefully this review will help you keep all of uh, these players in mind and help you win some some dynasty football this year. Unless you're playing against me, then I'd rather win. But enough delays. Let's get right into it that sweet sweet advertisement and then the episode and thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast Thank you. 
Hello, hello. Hello, sir. How you doing, man? <sighs> doing all right. I uh, started working out again, so I'm trying to do this this month and, and get back into it. And uh, trying to do four days a week. And I did a leg day yesterday, and my legs are just like jello today. Like every step hurts. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, I actually, uh, I just started working out again, too. Funny enough, my leg day was today. So I'm feeling, you know, just that aftermath. It's not too, too bad, but it's enough to where I know tomorrow is going to be mostly a sit and chair day. Yep. And that was the thing. Like, I kind of wish that I walked at work and moved around a little bit. But I sit at a desk and am super sedentary all day long. Yep. I'm lucky with two dogs. They keep me like they have yeah. to like get me up, you know, because I'm I'm at home. But maybe you should just get an office dog. Uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> sounds like a great idea. It sounds pretty good, right? Maybe you can train him to do some spreadsheets. <laughs> just click, 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 like a little airboat yeah. status. I'm sure if you like have a simple enough, like if it's just one or two buttons, and you just get like some USB like big buttons that he could just paw that is more possible than it might seem like yeah. we're talking about the next generation of Airbud. he's he's just doing taxes <laughs> doing taxes is that what i do uh well no not necessarily i, I guess i'm talking about what i'd want him to do for me <laughs> mm, there you go yeah that's yeah. fair <laughs> uh well it's good to see a man uh obviously had that week off so you know good to get back into it we definitely not not like a ton of news stuff really but you know there's some there's some stuff to talk about at least and then we can get into a little bit of divisional review uh talking our favorite division of all of them i'm sure of it i mean the nfc south doesn't that just make you i mean i'm getting sweaty just thinking about it yeah yeah it just makes me leap for joy yeah, a lot of good stuff to be found. So uh, I basically put some like talking points down here with all the teams, but like, yeah, we can keep it loosey goose. And if you have any questions or things you want to talk about, feel free to. Okay. But before that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much we really want to go into the new rules because they're not super dynasty football relevant, I guess. Maybe the third QB rule and the the kickoffs, I guess, if you're in the kickoff point leagues. Um, but basically, I mean, new rule is it's a, it's a 25 yard line uh, for any fair catch on a kickoff, right? Yeah. So I mean, it, it seems like it's really going to whittle down. You know, the elite returners are still going to be the elite returners, and her teams are likely going to give them the chance to try and break. You know, a 50 yard return. Um, put them in better field position and they're going to trust their returner um, you know maybe a guy like Devin Duvernay or um, oh, I'm trying to think of the the DB for uh, Green Bay who's like an all pro returner um, who they recently re-signed I want to say it's like Nixon or something like that uh, obviously not not for fantasy relevancy but but yeah I mean there's like a couple of those guys you think of Ray Ray McLeod Mm-hmm. Um, yeah what, deandre carter you know you, you think of like those handful of like maybe 10 guys that you're like i would trust that guy returning the ball yeah i mean that's straight up like what it's going to do is it's going to take a lot of jobs away from those guys that aren't the elite elite guys you know like they're not going to even they're not going to really even want them to take the chance 
Um, especially if it's on like the, you know, 10 yard line or, or under and not in the end zone, it's going to be pretty much you, you take the, the 25 yards. That's, that's a pretty massive jump. You know, it, it makes me wonder more from a total NFL football standpoint, how, how many guys actually don't make a roster now that were special team guys, mm-hmm. you know, how yeah. much emphasis do teams really put on, you know, special teams and the, the coverage teams? You know, because I mean, there's a lot of running backs and a lot of linebackers and, you know, a lot of safeties that end up making a roster because they're good on kick returns. Absolutely. They're good on their coverage teams. And how many of those guys start to get kind of phased out for the potentially higher impact guys at their position? Yeah. Well, I think at the very least, it has to devalue them like as a whole, like it just does, I think implicitly. Um, but yeah, then, then what is that going to translate into for how these teams, you know, sign these guys, like what kind of contracts they have, like how long they're retained, it's going to change everything for them. And and in that way, it really does suck because that, you know, I, I feel for the players in that regard. Well, and, and, and think about how many wide receivers on teams are the wide receiver three for a team, but they're their kick returner. Yeah. Like, you know, do you, maybe you go with a guy that might be a more polished wide receiver now as the wide receiver three. And those guys that were the kick return guys that, you know, are good, but not great kick returners now all of a sudden get relegated to that wide receiver four contract. And all of a sudden they're switching teams every single year, big tremors, like like little things that people think of as little, but big tremors overall uh, to the overall landscape. So, yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this, because this seems contentious, uh, just from people I've talked to online and, and videos I've seen. You follow the XFL at all? Just a little bit. You know, honestly, okay. I wish I had more time to be able to follow more religiously. Are you aware of their like kickoff rules, how they do it? It's the the 40 yard dash or something like that, right? Basically, how I got it summed up is uh, both teams line up like 10 yards away from each other, like on either side of the ball. And then neither team can move until the receiver catches the ball. And then they like start. Uh, and I think they start. Yeah. Like the, the 40. Okay. Um, so, I mean, do you think that that is, I guess the question is, is that anything? No, I mean, well, maybe, I mean, who knows how the NFL is going to actually go, yeah. but I, I think there's too many guys that make their money on special teams. I mean, there's certain players that play an entire NFL career as special team aces. Yeah. And like, that's just what they are. You know, they're a third string safety that is just really good at punt coverage or really good at kick return coverage. You know, they're a coverage specialist and they end up making, you know, five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year just because they can do that. And they're a warm body on the roster as a third stringer yeah i mean further than that they're like beloved by their like fan base forever as that guy even though you know they only did it on the returns they're suddenly this like legendary figure for them which i'm sure is also attractive but okay yeah i i definitely i mean it's baked into it also right that this is this is a one year rule with the caveat that if like they don't like it they'll change it next year so i feel like they've already kind of sold the sold the hint here that this might not be a past this year kind of thing it's kind of crazy to think that they would implement this with that in mind like you would think they would try something like this you know i don't know somewhere like college for instance 
Yeah, I mean, it's the NFL trying to figure out how they can keep fans entertained and make yeah. the most money off of their game because ultimately they are a business and they're looking to make money. Yeah, I just think those kickoff returns are so fun, but I guess they're also quick points, right? You really want to grind it out for the views. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Well, and you don't want guys, you don't want guys getting hurt on it too. That is definitely true. I mean, I and when I heard, I think it was like fifteen percent concussion rate like uh, some something like that i didn't really understand what they were trying to say like if it was based on a certain like 15 year 15 percent from like this year or like after they did the wedge change or i i wasn't really sure what like that was referencing but apparently more concussions apparently according to their data so if that's the case then i get it you got to make some sort of change but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I definitely feel for the teams like Donnie has in some of these kickoff leagues where he has a whole roster of these dudes that are, you know, some of them are the elite kick return dudes. So that's great for him. But some of them are not. So it almost makes you wonder if it's going to make those elite kick return guys actually more valuable. Oh, man, you might be right. Yeah, they're actually yeah scarcity, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's really going to separate, and I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see this year. We'll see if it's actually actionable in, intelligence, but, you know, I, I think we're going to see a, a bigger stratification. We're yeah. going to see those top elite guys, and then we're going to see a, a rather large drop in the point totals, and then the rest of them. I think you're totally right. We're going to, like, it's, there's still lotto tickets. There's just way less of them now. Yeah. Like, that, that's, yeah, you, you could definitely be right about that. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. They went from being those $2 lotto tickets to the $10 lotto tickets. You know, you got to invest a little bit more. Yeah. I hear that. Okay. Uh, I like it. So, I mean, the only other thing, I mean, this isn't really dynasty relevant, I guess. I mean, maybe conditioning, but the Thursday night football can be flexed now. Rule is also now a go, um, which a lot of teams, like some, I, I say a lot, but it was like eight teams, I think didn't want it to happen eight or 10 and then the rest of them were a full go. So, I mean, I guess the, you know, most of the teams want this to happen for the management side, but I can't, I can't reference any player that has come out and said, we love this. We want this to happen. I see a lot of players don't like this. I was going to say that I hadn't actually heard that rule yet. I had heard the next one about the the third quarterback dressing without the roster spot, which I mean, I'm fine with because frankly, yeah. If a team is going to dress two quarterbacks and, you know, somehow, some way, both of those quarterbacks get injured during the game, I don't want to see a position player running a wildcat. Like, I, I want to see a guy that can at least try and throw a football and be, like, halfway competent at throwing a football to give his team a, a you know, 5% chance of being able to pull something out. Like, get, give them a, a chance. It totally makes sense from, like, an entertainment standpoint, too. Like that's what people want to see. They don't want to see that like scrambling, trying to make a team happen. They they, they don't want to see a uh, COVID year Broncos with uh, good old Mister Hilton. What is it, Hinton or Hilton? H- Hinton, I yeah, I th- Hinton. Hinton, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. And his and his five passes with one completion <laughs> the entire game or something like that. They're yeah, re- they're really like, what are we gonna do? We don't have a QB, and dude's like. I got this. I'll put the team on my back. And then it was like a bad college comedy movie where it's just like, oh no. But what I was what I was gonna say is is Corey, I hadn't actually heard that that the the flex weeks um that you were talking about for Thursday night football. So you wanna dive into that a little bit more because if it's kind of what I'm thinking, 
you know, it, it could have some impact on fantasy football because of when you're having to lock players. Mm, so now yeah. you have to start thinking about your lineup decisions sooner. So I know Thursday night games for me are always super frustrating when I have players there. Like I want to see those Sunday games because it mm. gives me more time to see who's going to be probable, who's going to be questionable to be able to make those decisions. And it's like, sometimes I end up starting a lesser player in a Thursday night game because I know that they're going to play that week. And I have a guy that's a questionable on a Sunday and I just don't want to risk. It. I feel that. Yeah. And, and I, I feel the same way. And even further than that, I almost psych myself out of playing Thursday night players for that reason. Like I will want to play them and then I'll second guess like, okay, do you want to play this guy because it's Thursday and you want to see him play or are you playing him for the right reasons? And then I just don't play him and he goes off. So I've, I've definitely had those times too. I mean, Thursday's Thursday's rough for, for fantasy players for sure. But luckily I think, so the way I read this, it, it can only be weeks 13 through 17. So that's the only time this can happen. Uh, it can, right. Uh, it can only happen to a team twice, which is a little concerning in terms of why is this happening to a team more than once? Probably should, that shouldn't happen. But also they have to have a 28 days notice in order to flex it. So they have to give them a, a good amount of time for that to actually occur, which definitely helps for teams to plan for that and all that good stuff. And for us to plan uh, in a way. But, you know, it'll still be I, I do think what this will come down to is like how are how are teams going to do uh, if they have to play like two kind of close games together because they get uh, they get flexed on the Thursday night game that I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, especially if a team hasn't happened to them twice. That's going to be a really interesting experiment on the human condition and uh, how much a body can take. So and the other thing, I, I guess. I don't know if this has any rumblings of any sort, but like with the amount of dissatisfaction from the players that I've been seeing, I just, I don't know. I know they don't have a ton of power after things get like really cemented, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of these players don't want to take this lying down per se. So we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds as well. But uh, do you have any other comments on that actually? No, no. I mean, okay. it was mainly just the fact that you have to make a decision on a Thursday night player now. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be very interesting for fantasy gamers, gamers if that ends up occurring. Um, the final rule was, yeah, the one you mentioned with the third QB, uh, other, otherwise known as the, I think this is the Purdy rule is what they're calling it on the interwebs. Kind of, kind of funny that, you know, Niners literally have this happen to them. And then the rule comes out the next year, like, yeah, we should probably do this. That game was really hard to watch, so I, I completely understand. And I don't like the Niners, and I was still like, "Oh no, who is who is that? Why are they playing him?" Oh, oh boy. Uh, so you know, I get it from that standpoint. It'll be interesting for sure. Like, I guess this gives jobs to more QBs theoretically, right? Because now they can be that kind of active, inactive, uh, QB on their team, and probably for a a pretty cheap deal, but still pretty good if you never really have to play <laughs> uh so yeah that's that's interesting but yeah in terms of dynasty not not much to talk about there so i'll go ahead and move us into our other subject that also doesn't have a lot to do with dynasty but should mention that because this one really got me i i had to rub my eyes like rub some sleep out of my eyes to make sure i was reading this right um and i know it's been talked about for a while but i didn't really believe that tom brady was going to actually buy into the vegas raiders so that happened i guess i mean it makes sense he 
semi owns a basketball team there, a women's basketball team. So, you know, he's just investing more in Vegas. Not a, not a bad move. It just sounds really weird, right? Las Vegas Raiders minority owner, Tom Brady. You know, it, it makes me wonder if he's going to invest in the A's when they move there as well. I think that's super likely. I thought the same thing. Yeah, that totally makes sense. He's just going to own a little piece of every Vegas sports team, isn't he? Yep. That That is, I mean, that's just smart money, right? Like Vegas isn't going away anytime soon, man. No, international money coming into Vegas all the time. Yep. And setting it up to be this perfect, like American wonderland where you have, I mean, moving an NFL sports team there was a giant, but like first step. And I mean, I did that happen before the the Knights actually, the Golden Knights? It was after because the only reason I but know not that too is because, but not too far after. No, it wasn't too far after. The only reason I know that is because my cousin who lives over there, he had season tickets and a PSL for the Golden Knights, and he ended up selling the PSL and his season tickets for getting into the Raiders stadium. So he got oh, a PSL. Awesome. Yeah, and I think it was like he said he had to tack on like an extra twenty five hundred dollars on top of the the other PSL and he was like yep. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Like, let me do that. Yep, that, that totally makes sense. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, follow the follow the money there. There's a huge <laughs> steaming pile of money where they're just throwing money at a hockey team and then uh, a football team, an NFL football team. Now they're bringing in a baseball team. They're just collecting all the great sports and they're making Vegas even more of a trap than it already is. So congrats to Vegas. Big win for Vegas. Uh, Vegas will be alive long after the human race is alive i believe um but, but moving on to some more dynasty relevant news good news for austin eckler owners at least for this year i mean this is the year that you want to be excited for him right uh he's going to stay on the team until at least next season uh he got some like two million dollars in incentives kind of tacked on to appease the man and he will be a charger I mean, do you see any reason why he can't like do what he did last year and basically be what was he RB two, maybe RB one in PPR? Yeah, I mean he's a high value asset when it comes to this year, and he's a declining asset when it comes to dynasty fantasy. I mean he's the definition of a win now type of piece. I mean we have the entire. An entire class of running backs that we think about, you know, in the Kamaras, the Cooks, the Henrys, the Ecklers. I mean, we have that entire grouping of, you know, the yesteryears type running backs, the the Nick Chubbs, maybe a little bit on the younger side of that group, um, the Aaron Jones, the Joe Mixons. And it's just like they, the guys that just kind of feel dirty to have but still produce as top 20 running backs that are still relatively cheap for your, for teams. You know, you have a rebuilding team and it's just like, yeah, all right. Like, let me just dump this guy for, you know, two seconds and your win now team. And you're like, I mean, you're telling me that I can get King Henry for two seconds. I mean, I might as well. Let's go win, right? That's what we're doing. We're going and we're winning. Yeah, win the game. You play to win the game. Yeah, dude, that is actually a pretty great call. Uh, It does seem like, I mean, we had such a great RB class and this is just 
this is the year where it gets into people's heads that they're doomed and sure in a way like their their long-term outlook is is pretty grim but while they are almost i mean if not all of them are all on the same teams that they got drafted on uh and they produced the year before last and last year just fine nothing has really changed for a lot of these guys and if you're trying to go win your league they're pretty easy to acquire so it is a really good time to strike while the iron's hot in that respect um what about like austin eckler for next year in terms of do you think he is a guy that has maybe a little less wear and tear so he might have more years than the other guys or do you think that as soon as he's not a charger if that is the case what happens next year um he's pretty much done so yeah i mean the ppr benefit of him is what's going to keep him alive and um, if he goes to another team i mean i i don't foresee him getting a big contract i think he thinks that he's going to get a big contract yeah. but the chargers offense is the efficiency offense it's a scoring offense it's about herbert to hold defenses from putting multiple guys in the box, multiple extra guys in the box. So you have Eckler, who's usually sitting right around 200 carries a season, you know, two, 225 carries a season. You know, he's making his hay on 100 targets, you know, 75, yeah. 80 receptions and making his touchdowns. Like he's, he's had an uptick in rushing touchdowns, which obviously comes from being a, a high efficiency offense. So, all of that really plays into all, all everything that we're talking about here. So if he leaves the Chargers and goes to a team that's not a high-efficiency offense, then, yeah, I mean, there's going to be questions because his touchdown ceiling is what's keeping him as a top-five back right now. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, last but uh, – well, last and least, actually, uh, we have <laughs> – just a, a little bit of a preview as to what OTA season and training camp season is going to be like. There was a Reddit post that indicated that Aaron Rodgers had perhaps a slight ankle tweak today in his first OTA session on the Jets. As is tradition, Reddit did what Reddit does and overreacted. Uh, this was more or less my way to try and help you all understand, uh, as if you don't already, that this is very, very early in the season. Things like this are going to happen and it's going to be okay. He has many, many a day to make it in time for the season. So this shouldn't be concerning. The only concern I had, honestly, when I read the headline before diving into it at all, I was like, I was met with this visceral image of Zach Wilson having to come in for Aaron Rodgers if he gets injured. And just, I'm I'm finding it hard to imagine that that stadium is going to stay intact because I think the fans are going to dismantle it. <laughs> Watching Zach Wilson have to play again is just going to do the men. And I, I, I feel for them if that happens. Uh, but okay. Uh, that's the last bit of news that I had here. There's, you know, always training camp stuff. There's always OTA stuff, but uh, it's not fun to talk about because anyone can look good in certain circumstances. So I have been doing some tweets, though, if anyone wants to follow those of some videos I found of guys that I personally like, and I vouch for them on our Twitter account. Okay, but moving into the to the meat of the matter here, um, this segment, I've titled it because I couldn't think of anything clever. 
uh, Division Town, Population, Evan and Corey. And I'm just assuming Eric's not going to be here for any of them because he's very sick. But hopefully he's all right. We are going to give you guys some review of each division in the NFL, go through all the guys that we uh, like and some guys that other people like that we don't like and talk sleepers and rookies and just all kinds of stuff. Kind of just give the broad overview uh, when it relates to dynasty football for these divisions and these teams. And we are starting with everyone's favorite division, the NFC South. Yay. This was your idea, Evan. I guess we're going to ramp up the energy from here. Yeah, I mean, the, the the idea would be let's, you know, start off without Eric and his hot takes, you know, let's let's just have a kind of a mellow type of episode where expectations are kind of low for the division. We're I simmering. Mean, we're simmering look, right now. Look, I, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty surprised if any team in this division is above 500 come the end of the year. Yeah, I think it's probably likely that one is right. One has to do it. One has to find the void here and just drill in. But then when you really look at these teams, it's like, well, am I really betting on Derek Carr of the Saints? Because uh, I don't know if I can do that. So, uh, yeah, man, but let's let's go ahead and dive in one by one here. Um, I have some talking points. If you have any, let's let's share them. Uh, otherwise, we can just kind of like go over how we feel about this teams and, you know, try not to dive into, you know, just a complete negative abyss. We'll try to find some light in here to shed, hopefully, if there is any, <laughs> but I guess we'll see. Uh, but let's go alphabetical order because otherwise my OCD would yell at me uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. This is a this is a team that is the definition of just missing that QB right? They seem like they have everything put together. We'll see what the defense is after bringing in a lot of uh, pretty good players in the offseason and in the draft. If they, they perform as projected, they'll be pretty good. And if <laughs> if the talent on the offensive side of the football can overcome the Ritter or Heineke question, then, I mean, wheels up. But that's that's the big, big question. And so I guess I want to it to you the first question here so we have Ritter and we have Heineke who do you think is going to be the starter come week eight oh I mean I think they're gonna continue to ride Ritter and the only way Ritter isn't the guy is if he gets hurt and Heineke comes in or uh, if Ritter throws three interceptions and a half like they they want to see what they have in my opinion in Ritter and they're going to try and give him as many opportunities as possible to see if they need to draft a quarterback next year, which I think the answer is yes, but I'm also not an NFL scout. So, And if he doesn't do well and they realize they need a quarterback next year, you would think if they just keep him in, right? Because Heineke can win you out of a potential top five selection. Yeah. I mean, they, they go one of two ways. You know, they either try and push in that division to – win the playoff spot and win the division and give their fan base something to hope for and basically get themselves out of quarterback position and have to basically mortgage a lot of the farm moving forward to be able to go up and get a quarterback uh, or trade for a vet that wants to get off of his team. Um, So those would kind of be the two options or 
you know, you leave Ritter in and let him continue to struggle and the team continues to lose, which they've been doing relatively well recently, losing. Um, you know, it just becomes the question of how, from an organizational philosophy, do you want to do it? I mean, there's been plenty of psychological studies on NFL players um, that have shown that a losing culture in multiple multiple years, they said the minute the minimum threshold is three um, for a actual encompassing feel of the team that they're a losing franchise and it gets demoralizing to the players and it takes a while for them to come out of it. So do they try and turn the corner this year and break it in, you know, this third, fourth year? I mean, can you imagine the energy that gets taken out of you after the Patriots come back <laughs> and win 328? Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that that has to be real for sure. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that has a lot of credit to it. Besides the quarterback, man, I mean, it does really feel like they're poised to take one of those top guys next year because if they took either of those top guys, I would say, but if they if they got Caleb Williams. Oh my God, the Falcons might be the best team in this division for years. Like this could be a a transcendent team. The chances though, like they're, they're higher than maybe some other teams, but I just feel like the, the uh, overall odds for them to get the number one selection are still just so high that I, I worry for them because they really do need it. They just need that guy to come in with uh, with all those young pieces. Oh, my God. Can you imagine a young QB molding with Pitts and Drake London with Bijan in the backfield? Goodness gracious. And a good offensive line. Like, like yeah. I, I have them ranked as a top 10 offensive line. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I, I think there was, a, there was a lot to like last year and how the offensive line played. Jake Matthews is a very good left tackle. And then you have McGarry um, going in right tackle and Winstrom, who I think was a second team all pro last year uh, at guard. So, I mean, you, you pair that together, you have a strong right side to be able to run the ball behind. You have a strong right side. So the quarterback doesn't need to worry about seeing a defender, you know, right in his face. Uh, they drafted an interior offensive line, I think Berg- Bergeron um, to play guard as well. So, I mean, they're, they're investing in the offensive line. They they gave McGarry a, a contract. Um, so, yeah, he had a free agent contract that he signed with them. So, you put all that together, and they have a pretty good offensive line, in my opinion. And they have one of the heaviest run schemes in all of football. Um, so, over-under, <laughs> Corey, here, an average of 27 pass attempts per game for the quarterback of the Falcons this year. Oh, that's a great line, man. I think, I think I want to hit that under. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's very tempting to look at it and just be like, man, that team. That could be Bijan like 25 to 30 touches a game, dude, like easily. Yeah. So, I mean, just think about this. All right. Marcus Mariota played until the bye week last year. All right, I'm just going to read off his attempts. 33, 26, 20, 19, 25, 14, 13, 28, 23, 30, 20, 25, and 24. Yep. Wow. All right. So we are talking one game in 13 starts that he cracked 30 attempts. 
That's that is wild. That is wild. So I it, what it sounds like is, I mean, is Ritter a guy that you even are interested in as like a QB two on your Superflex team? Oh no, I I have zero interest in Heineke or, or Ritter being a QB two. Yeah. Like th- honestly, even in my mind, they're a desperation QB three play. All right. Yeah. I mean, I I tend to agree with you. Um, it it seems like almost a, a Venus flytrap of the talent around him that you kind of get drawn into whoever is passing uh, these guys the ball. But yeah, man, I, I do think that there's a very good chance it's just going to be the Bijan show, and everyone else is going to get you know three to four a game, and that's about it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any nine, ten target games for for Drake London or Kyle Pitts, unfortunately. But it would be cool to see someday. I mean, it'd be great to see that, but I just don't foresee it. Not with the system that's currently run there yeah. and the poor quarterback play. Um, so I guess that kind of uh, dispels any notion of you being, I mean, do you like anyone not named Bijan, Drake or Kyle on that team? No, I, I have zero interest in any player that's not any of those three names. Do you know who their tertiary wide receivers are just off the top? Matt Collins, I think. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got one. Yep. Do you know their wide receiver three? No, not a chance. Scotty Miller, baby. He's still a guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They signed JJR Sega Whiteside, it looks like, which is pretty funny. Um, And they have uh, Penny Hart, who was like a Seahawks special teamer. So there you go. Uh, and Johnny Smith, you don't love Johnny Smith. You mean the guy that they traded a seventh round pick or something like that to go get? No. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about for the Falcons? No, I mean, it, it seems pretty straightforward to me. I mean, it's a team that wants to run the ball. It's a team that's going to run the ball. I mean, the, the biggest loser in my opinion is going to be Tyler Algier. And Cordero Patterson. I mean, Cordero Patterson was being talked about going into last season as, you know, that league winner type of redraft guy because he could play wide receiver and get you those PPR receptions and he'd get, you know, six receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. And you could start him at running back. I wonder, do you think this actually, I know he said Matt Collins, but could this actually be Cordero Patterson wide receiver too? I mean, they need that guy. They, uh, If he's got any juice left, they need that guy running <laughs> alongside Drake London and Kyle Pitts, I feel like. I mean, they could. Or they could run a two-backfield, a two-running back backfield and mm-hmm. have Patterson and Patterson and Bijan back there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, Aljair did show out, though. Would they? Do you think that they would do a similar thing with, with Bijan and Tyler? Well, okay, so so Algier, my, my thought is that he is going to be spelling Bijan more. So, so I mean, I, I think Bijan's going to get – I think he's going to average about 65% of the snaps at running back per game. So, with that being said, it leaves 35% for Algier and Patterson if they run one back all game. So, obviously, that's assuming that they run one back – Obviously, that's not going to be the case on every situation. They're going to run some two-back sets. They're going to run some empty back sets. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. 
you know, I, I think Patterson gets maybe 15% of the snap share and yeah. then Algier gets 20. Has Patterson at all become like a, like a late round, like best ball dart throw for the, I mean, he still has got that like home run potential, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if one of, if either Algier or Bijan get hurt, I mean, I think it, it weeds to a, a little bit of a heavier role if Matt mm-hmm. Collins or Scotty Miller gets hurt. It leads to a little bit of a heavier role. You know, he's a versatile piece that I don't feel comfortable starting any given week, but he could have that one, maybe two boom weeks, or as they say in best ball, startable weeks. Right. So, gotcha. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move to. Uh, I mean, it almost is weird to say, but like a a, a less exciting team. And I, I, that feels weird coming out of my mouth, but I mean, with the number one pick overall, they take Bryce Young, the Carolina Panthers, and I'm less excited about them than I am with the Atlanta Falcons. That's just, that just feels weird, but I, I'm just, you know, I, I think it's just going to be kind of that year of like, they're going to try to figure it out and they're going to put Bryce Young in, in this situation where he, he's going to be able to either show he's the man or not but I just don't think they have quite enough on the offensive side for it to be like anything pretty to, to watch. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not stoked on, on the, the value or the uh, uh, entertainment value uh, rather for the Carolina Panthers, but you know, everything about them is just very average. <laughs> that's the, I, that's the main thing. I think there's just no wow on their team just nothing I'm really excited about. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how, what Bryce Young does for sure. Just to, just to see how he plays. Um, but I'm just not super hyped on it. And they have this like super average wide receiver core, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, Adam Thielen could be a, a flex guy, a second flex guy. Maybe um, we'll see what DJ Chark has. Uh, I, I always forget. Are you a Jonathan Mingo guy? I, I think Mingo is fine. I personally think yeah, he's, see, he's, see, he's just fine. I mean, he's just fine. Yeah. So, I mean, seeing, seeing Mingo going in that like 112, 202 range to me is just, it, it's too rich for my blood. No. There's too many other running backs that I want to take shots on in that frame and in that draft slot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mingo has some uh, appealing traits, I guess, but he's also going to be linked up with, a rookie QB that has two vets in front of him in front of him, basically. So, I mean, yeah, man, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I don't even know if we can necessarily say that like Terrace Marshall is, is dead. He might be that third wide receiver. Uh, we don't know. He's still what second, third year. So who leads this team in receptions? And then is it the same guy that leads the team in receiving yards this year? I think it'll probably be, Thielen with the receptions. I almost want to say DJ Chark for the yardage. I think I think DJ Chark has that opportunity to be used more like I don't know deep threat, but kind of like I think he can get those like intermediary passes and get chunk plays. Uh, he's not like crazy yard after the receive guy, but I think he he's got some moves. And Thielen seems like he's going to be security blanket. Like he's going to be Bryce. He's going to be daddy and he's going to go and he's going to catch the easy ones and get a lot of targets. Maybe like a 
poverty homeless man cooper cup-esque type of relationship where you know it's not 14 targets but it's like seven or eight and it's the most out of the team do you do you feel differently no, I, I very much think Adam Thielen is going to be the security blanket. I think Adam Thielen's going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns. And I, part of me wants to think that Jonathan Mingo is actually going to lead the team receiving yards. Okay. Because I feel like they're just going to let him run nine routes and let him run straight down the field and mm-hmm. just be like, hey, use your athleticism. Bryce is going to throw the ball up for you and just see if you can come down with it. I like that actually. Maybe, maybe maybe it's a year early to make that guess on this, um, but I think if there's anybody, like I don't think that there's going to be a thousand yard receiver on this team. Yeah, I, I thousand yards. Yeah, I doubt it. I, I really do. I, I I think I think they're all going to kind of settle somewhere in that like nine hundred to seven hundred range. Yeah, and, and I think it's just going to be an absolute cluster. So most valuable player on this team for fantasy is who, in your opinion? Most valuable player? Yes. Not wide receiver, but player, period. In a Superflex league? Yeah. I think it's still probably Bryce Young. Even for just this season? Uh, man, it's probably Miles Sanders then. See, that that's what I think, too. Yeah. I think this season, it's Miles Sanders. Yeah, I, I if it's just this season, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think they'll pound him. He he got a great contract for a running back. So they're going to use him, uh, in my opinion, at least. I, I think it's going to be really interesting, in my opinion, seeing how the offensive line ends up playing out because I know that they had two interior offensive linemen that had injuries late in the season. Um, so I'm pretty sure both of their guards that are projected to start this year for them had like after week 10 injuries. And I think it was like a broken ankle and an ACL or MCL or something like that. And I mean, that O-line was already looking pretty good. Like they, I mean, Donta Foreman and Chiba Hubbard both had weeks. Yeah. I mean, they were starting to piece it together. Um, If you include the two guards, I'm pretty sure they return all five starters. So they'll have continuity going in, which is always big for an offensive line to have continuity year to year. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully they'll be able to take a step forward. Hopefully Bryce can see over top of them. Uh, hopefully they give Bryce enough time. Um, and once again, you know, I'm going to say it and I'm going to continue to say it. I think that they have a top three. Maybe you can stretch it down to top five coaching staff in the entire NFL. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all makes sense to me. Um I really do think, like I said at the beginning of this, they're just so fundamentally average that they probably they probably win the division because all the other teams are below average or worse, I think. So I, I think they got a fair shot at it. I mean, I guess I, I, ha- I had the question on here. Since you agree with, with kind of my sentiment that Miles Sanders will probably be the most valuable uh, dynasty asset, uh, at least for this year, what do you think he will finish as? like upper RB2 material? or So it's going to depend. I wish I knew how they were going to utilize him in the receiving game because that's going to sway, in my opinion, where he ends up finishing significant. I think if they use him like he was used in Philly last year, which is barely at all in the receiving game, I mean, I think he had like 30 targets all of last year in the receiving game. I mean, if he gets 30 targets again, I mean, I think you're probably looking at like an RB20, RB18. 
But if he ends up getting an uptick and saying having, you know, 45 receptions, then I think you're looking at a guy that's a high-end RB2 with some RB1 weeks, you know, finishing in that like 12 to 14 range. Yeah, I don't necessarily, I mean, do you agree that like Miles Sanders is a, I think he's a pretty decent pass catching running back actually. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember him at Penn State and he was a pretty decent pass catching running back at, at Penn State. Like I remember watching him and it's just one of those things that, you know, he can run routes. He's not a bad route runner. They just never used him that way. And then this past season, I mean, you're going to have the option of Jalen Hurts dumping the ball off or Jalen Hurts taking and running the ball and picking up you know, nine yards, 10 yards. Why would you not just let the quarterback run? It? I think it's almost a safe, uh, safe assumption that he will get more targets on the Panthers. I, I almost think it's assured. Like I, I, I don't, I would, I would lay a bet on it because I also think of Bryce Young. I mean, he's not going to run. He's not going to scramble like Jalen Hurts is going to scramble. And I feel like he also will have more of an inclination to use Miles Sanders with their lack of, you know, overall receiving talent on the team. It's all very mid. And I think they're going to take the help where they can get it in Miles Sanders. And and I, I, I don't know. I think that it's it's assured. I think that he'll definitely, maybe it's only a couple receptions more, but I think he will definitely see more targets overall this year. Okay. I mean, only other thing I wanted to do really is, you know, I I wanted to welcome in Hayden Hurst uh, as, you know, a guy that if you had him on the Bengals as like a, like in a two tight end league and you had him as your second tight end. Okay. That's, you weren't, you know, not happy about that. Then he goes to, now he goes to the Panthers. And I think you are in the same spot maybe for like different reasons, but I, I don't think this is necessarily like a, maybe you say just outright downgrade cause he's not with Joe Burrow, but there's so many other high quality targets like there on the Bengals that, I mean, now he goes to a, like a wasteland. And so I think he has, he's going to have more chances because he can catch a football and they're going to try and get anyone that can catch a football, the football, but overall I wanted to welcome in Hayden Hurst and then pull the bell for a number of players that I think some dynasty managers are still kind of hoping and, and hanging on to and just, just do some last rights for, for four names here. Um, if you own any of these guys, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, Tommy Tremble, shy Smith, Ian Thomas, Lavishka Chenault. And remember on Visca coming out of Colorado and everybody was just like, man, he is the athletic freak. Like he could be the next Julio Jones. Silly. Woof. What a take. Silly. So, so silly. Yeah. uh, I maybe have had one team that had Visca. Um, I, I luckily avoided it because I was also like, okay, everyone's saying he's very athletic. That puts him on my radar. But then people were grabbing him in places that I just, I could could never justify. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I got left without a lot of him. And now I just look back and go, all right, I did something right. (laughs) Um, Okay, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the gambit for the Panthers. I don't know if you had anything to add. I think we pretty much hit all the points. No, 
I think their defense could potentially create some short fields for the offense. So that might be something to monitor as well. Um, I think their defense can get turnovers. Um, when you look at it, you know, I, I start to start to look at their defense and, you know, you got a defensive line um, coming off of the edge uh, with Brian Burns. I think he's technically listed as a linebacker. I'm pretty sure uh, you got Derek Brown clogging up the middle. Um, so he's going to get pressure on the quarterback. You got Uruguay's Matives uh, also hopefully getting some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you got Shaq Thompson patrolling the middle of the field, trying to take over like a uh, hybrid Luke Keekly type role. Uh, and then you got Jeremy Chin in the backfield um, for the DVs. So I, I think that's going to be big. And then you have JC Horn, who is no slouch of his own. So I, I think it's a defense that could, it, it, it's a defense that in my opinion is on the upswing and could be the type of defense that creates short fields for the offense, which would be great for Bryce Young, you know, great for whoever the kicker is. Um, Eddie Pinero. Yeah. Never, never even heard of him. Yeah. Apparently Johnny Hecker's their punter. So <laughs> oh, that's really? cool. That That's cool. I love Johnny Hecker. He's, he's awesome. My wife met Johnny Hecker. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. She used to work at a doggy daycare in Edmonds, Washington. And uh, he came in and he, he was like a regular customer there. He would drop his dog off to get uh, daycare. Uh, and she would, she looked after Johnny Hecker's dog. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was back when he was on the Rams or uh, yeah, on the Rams. And, and I heard that and I was like, Oh, a guy from the Rams, huh? And I was like, maybe I'll go in there and have some words with him as a Hawks fan. All right. Well, yeah, I think that that closes the book for the Panthers. Uh, man, do these keep getting less and less interesting? Uh, I didn't mean to do that. I was really just doing it in alphabetical order. But now we have the New Orleans Saints. And, um, you know, there's some stuff here, right? Like Chris Olave, you have to imagine he has a better year with Derek Carr than, than Andy Dalton, right? That That has to be the case. I mean, yeah, hope so. Yeah, yeah, really hope so, right? I mean, what what do you think? Because I mean, where do you have where do you have Chris Olave as a you know top end wide receiver two still? Is he is he in like the top sixteen for for dynasty? For dynasty, I mean, I think he's very clearly in the top sixteen based off of how people are valuing him because he's super young. Yeah. Do I think production wise he's there? I mean, I think people are valuing him as like a top 12, maybe in that like 10 to 12 range um, as a wide receiver right now. Do I think he's going to produce like that? No, no chance. But they're valuing them there because he is arguably, and I don't even think it's arguable at this point anymore. He is the number one wide receiver on that team. So you're going to expect him to get the lion's share of targets. Um, and you look at his last year's numbers, 119, you figure that that number is going to tick up to probably around 130 this year. And I mean, you figure 130 targets, 1300 yards, uh, you talk six touchdowns. I mean, that that's going to put him pretty squarely in the solid wide receiver two category. So I think that would put him somewhere around like 18 
to 14 to 18, I think is where he's looking to finish. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. He, his value is, seems very high. And I kind of agree with you too, where it's like, I think a lot of people have the impression that Derek Carr comes in and this is like a the thing that drives me wild is people think this is like a huge upgrade for Chris Olave. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think it really is. I mean, I know that it's weird to compare Derek Carr with Andy Dalton, but is it, is it that weird? Cause they have both won games and they've both looked good at times, but they've never really, to me, looked like a, like a superstar or like a guy that can win, win games despite anything else. They're, they're not the, the game winner QBs, I think compared to some of these other guys. Um, so maybe more comparable than people are thinking, I guess. I mean, a couple other questions about the weapons, like Juwan Johnson ended up being kind of a revelation towards the end of the year as a, as a tight end. If you managed to grab him off of waivers. Yeah, that was, that was awesome especially on tight end premium or two tight end leagues. I feel like some of that was propped up by touchdowns, but then when I look at it, he he only had seven, but I think it was just in those stretch of games that was kind of short-ish stretches. He had like a, a two touchdown game and like a three touchdown game or something. So like that speaks to me as that's going to see some negative aggression for sure. And I think people are valuing him as not that. It, it seems like people see him as, you know, one of these shoe in like top eight tight ends. I, I don't think I'm there. No, no. I mean, I'm I'm still still on the boat that, you know, there's a very select few tight ends that I want. If I don't get those guys, then okay. I mean, it just kinda is what it is. You know, I'm looking at the Kyle Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, and probably Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. As as the fourth guy that I'm looking at, because I know Minnesota values the tight end position. I know they utilize their tight end position. And I see a path for Hawkinson to get 110 targets this year. Yeah, I, I like that Hawkinson take. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, he's Juwan Johnson is right in that mid pack of if you, you know, if you're looking at getting him, then you let the next guy take him because that's just it's not what your team needs at that point in the draft. Uh, if you're doing like a, a startup, you you don't want those like mid-range tight ends because the difference between them and the guy you can get 10 rounds later is very, very small. Uh, they, they're closer than you would imagine. And so, yeah, that 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 should be just a guy that generally speaking, I mean, you're basically I think where he lands squarely is if you got him off the waivers last year. All right. <laughs> you try to you try to flip him for something that's cool. Or you just keep him as a guy that if you don't have any other better options, you can slot in uh, as like a, a tight end two and hope, because that's basically what you're doing with those guys. Unless you have one of those top four, maybe five guys. So uh, a guy that I wanted to bring up was Kendra Miller. So yeah. I don't know how much you've been trying to follow, you know, where people are taking him in, in the startups. It's been moving up. <laughs> It's been moving up pretty far, dude. It's it's been it's been shooting through the freaking roof. I saw one ten in one mock. Yeah, it's it's going crazy. I mean, not even just rookie drafts. Like you're seeing him shoot up in in regular startup drafts. Oh no! So I mean, you're seeing him start to go ahead of guys like Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers. 
Alexander Madison, who, you know, all signs are pointing to Dalvin Cook getting cut. So, I mean, that's crazy to, to, to me. I'm looking at that and I'm just saying, man, that is that is a very steep price. And that to me is basically saying I'm expecting Kamara to get a six game suspension. Absolutely. And and also for the the ab, the touchdown vulture himself to not vulture touchdowns you're asking jamal freaking williams to not vulture touchdowns are you crazy yeah absolutely so. not that he's going to get jamal williams is going to get 18 touchdowns this year and people are going to be like oh no <laughs> kendrick miller got like three like that's this is what's gonna happen it's what he does man you're telling me, look, I was super excited for, for Miller when it was like, a, I guess just pre all this hype, like right after the draft seemed like a sweet spot to get him like mid-ish, late-ish second round. And that was awesome. And I'm all for that. But pushing him into the up, like the late first round for a guy that is probably going to be the running back three, like period. Like Kamara gets suspended. Okay. Six games. Okay. He's back for the majority of the season. RB three. And, and best case scenario, he's the guy behind Jamal Williams. I, I don't, I don't think I want that guy, man. I mean, it just seems like it's setting up fantasy owners for a lot of letdown. In my opinion, if you're taking him, expecting him to be a flex play for you this year. Yeah. What are we saying? He's going to beat Jamal Williams in camp and and take the job and Camara gets suspended for no come on man we're that that is too that's a classic case of like 4d brain like just completely ultra braining it and just just keep it simple man like stay away from the saints running back game like just generally speaking none of it's good you could take jamal williams in a super in a, a best ball league but uh, I mean, depending on where he's going now, like maybe you just want to avoid it completely because it's going to be gross. Okay, well, speaking of gross, when will Taysom Hill go away? No, well, I mean, maybe now that Sean Payton's gone, he'll uh, eventually go away. He's just, man, Dynasty specifically, I feel like he's the enigma of Dynasty where it's like, hey, he has games, but you can never predict them. And do you want him on your team? Not really. He's taking up the roster spot. And there's been like tight end prospects coming and going that you've been excited about. But no, it's Taysom freaking Hill. (laughs) Oh, Kamara's going to get a touchdown. No, it's Taysom Hill. Like, come on, man. (laughs) I'm done with this guy. I'm sure he's a very nice person in real life. But for like dynasty football, man. I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of him. <laughs> just get him out of here. Doesn't he feel like the ultimate best ball piece where you're just like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, just let him have like two rushing touchdowns and you're like, oh cool. Like I got a tight end to start this week. Yeah. Paid for easy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, best ball for sure. I think he's being propped up a little bit, but kind of worth, I mean, he has those game winning weeks. He does. It's annoying and I'm sick of it. But also if I have him, he's cool. He has those weeks that he has, you know, 40 rushing yards with two touchdowns and like one reception for a touchdown and five yards. Yeah, dude. And you're just like, oh, okay. He just got three touchdowns this week and is like a top two tight end. Cool. Yep. Worth the price of admission when that happens. Absolutely. But yeah, not best ball. He's your worst enemy. Okay. Well, 
the only other thing I want to talk about was, uh, I mean, they only took a couple of offensive players in the first place or, you know, offensive weapons, um, Kendrick Miller, and they took uh, A.T. Perry in like the sixth round. Um, kind of makes it seem like Rash- Rashid Shahid is like a winner here, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> as we are with this whole team, I don't think we can be super hopeful, right? I mean, with Derek Carr, I just, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get like a ton of targets here. Basically, I mean, I think this whole team is almost summed up by like, this is best ball team. You want all of these guys in a best ball team, but traditional league where you're trying, when are you ever going to start Rashid Shahid and feel confident? about it i don't think there's going to be a single week where you can start him and feel happy going into it so yeah if you have best ball go for it but i don't know what what do you think yeah i mean it's it's very much a question of who's going to have the second most targets on this team and i even i so okay so i don't think alvin kamara gets a six game suspension i think he gets a slap on the wrist suspension if anything i think he gets two maybe three games and with that being said I still think he leads this team as the second target getter. I think he will end the season with the second most targets on this team. God, and the fact that that's even like in the probable events where he gets a two or three game suspension, like I totally agree that can totally happen. And anyone that's banking on Kendra Miller to be the the starting guy for the majority of games they're not taking that seriously that that could seriously be the case and Kamara just comes in and he's a, a top 10 RB again. Yeah, I mean, I might not go top 10, but, you know, top 20, sure. Yeah, I mean, top 20 is easy sell for me. But, you know, I'll, all I'm saying is he's done top 10, like, more often than not. <laughs> so I think it's it's still within the realm of possibilities for him, which is his his amount of talent. But I, I just think that offense lacks the explosive firepower to be able to put up enough points to be able to sustain him as a, as a top 10 guy. Yeah. That's not a bad point. So that that's, that's where my, that's where my trepidation. I, I mean, I think he's a dependable RB two that I can go forth and, and start. I would prefer him to be in my flex spot. Uh, if I'm starting him, would you rather have him or, or Tony Pollard? Tony Pollard. Harpy. Okay. All right. Just had to get that quick one in there. All right, well, let's let's move to, again, I really, I didn't try to do this, but I think this is the, like, most disappointing of the teams. So we've just moved in order uh, in that regard here. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks, I guess. Man, this team makes me sad to think about, dude, because they still have some, like, they still have some guys, right? Like, I, I like Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is, is totally a dude. Uh, he's inconsistent, and I know fantasy managers probably don't appreciate that about him but as a football player he's he's a good player um so i like those guys rashad white you know he took a million targets last year and that was cool to see like but who's the operator here man (laughs) we're still deciding between baker mayfield or kyle trask i know we're the kyle trask fan cast here but i'm just oh boy like can you is there any light to be shed here man is there anything you see here that's like you can get at all excited about. Yeah, Tristan Wirfs is a good football player. All right. And he's moving to left tackle finally. He's not stuck at right tackle with the cut of Donovan Smith. Okay. Like, 
there's there's that favorable for Rashad White maybe if they weren't like a historically bad rushing team already yeah uh you know this this is an offensive line that used to be heralded as one of the best in the league and it very quickly fell apart um you know Jensen is significantly older than he was and he's coming off a significant knee injury so there's that uh Worf's is transitioning from right tackle to left tackle, which he played some left tackle at Iowa. So, you know, there's there's that. But he's transitioning to a new position. And, I mean, you look at the rest of the offensive line and it's uh, middling is probably the best word that I have. I mean, I, I still look at the Rams offensive line and I look <laughs> at the Titans offensive line and I'm like, those are the two worst offensive lines in all yeah. of football. So I'm not going to go that they kind of curve the grade a little bit, right? With how much they weigh everything else down. Yes, yes. There, There is a clear tier break yeah. between those yeah. two teams and the rest of the league. I totally feel that. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, I do think, though, that Tampa ends up being the worst team in this division come the end of the season. So that leads me to the question, do who does whoever the quarterback is end up throwing 40 pass attempts a game? <laughs> just desperation, pure desperation, just garbage, garbage time yards. And is, is that what this team turns into? Like, are you yeah. counting on Mike Evans and Russell Gage and Chris Godwin to pick you up those garbage time yards that all of a sudden net you another four points? Or five points in a week. I will say in the division, I think those are the that's the best trio. Oh, one hundred percent. It's the best wide receiving core in the entire division. Yeah, like, hand hands down. Like yep. I don't have a single question about that. Man, is there any like it? Almost like I I catch myself almost being able to talk myself into trying to get Mayfield cheaply because I I just I have to believe he's better than Trask. And if I'm trying to like win this year and I need like a QB three QB four. And he's gonna maybe throw 40, 50 passes a game, just pure desperate. I I don't I almost want him a little bit. And I've always been from day one. I, this was before I even was even talking to you and Eric. I was always in my friend group chat. Uh, we have a football chat, and I was the guy after Baker Mayfield got drafted. I was I changed my display name to Faker Mayfield. And every chance I got that Faker Mayfield did something bad in a game, I would spam the chat with Faker, Faker, Faker over and over again. So I was that guy right off the bat. I've never liked him, but I think I like him now a little bit. Can you talk me out of this? Is this delusion? I mean, he's a desperation quarterback three. I mean, him and Tannehill are like my go-to targets. If I'm like a desperation QB three, like, I just need a guy that I'm like, he is going to start. He is going to get points. Like those are the guys that you can get very cheaply in startups. So why would I not go after those guys that I think are going to be behind in games are going to have to throw the ball. And Baker, I think I would take ahead of Tannehill because Baker has the better weapons and he doesn't have a run first offensive scheme. Uh, like like Rabel does uh, behind one of the worst offensive lines in football and just be like, hey, King, 
help me out here, please. And uh, just fall forward for another two yards every play after being able to run one yard before even getting hit. I can't believe I'm here on the other side of it, now liking Baker Mayfield after five years of him existing. I can't believe I'm here. Okay, well, that's something I'm going to have to sleep with tonight. Uh, but no, I, I yeah, I agree, man. Like, I feel like you can get him very, very cheaply, and he's going to be able to put he, – he has the opportunity to put up points uh, completely. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, well, just a couple of rookie questions, I guess. Uh, Payne Durham, Durham, does he uh, do anything for you? How about Trey Palmer? You know, I, I have heard Trey Palmer before, um, okay. but no. Yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> okay. Rakeem Jarrett, um, Jarrett, though, is is one that I think is a guy that could make the roster. Okay. That I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to do anything this year. You know, they, they have veteran wide receivers, but Rakeem Jarrett is a guy that I'm pretty sure was a five-star might've ended up being a four-star wide receiver coming out of high school, super athletic, but he struggled with injuries uh, at Maryland. So that's the type of guy that if I'm going to take a late round flyer on, and I'm pretty sure he was a UDFA undrafted free agent. And if I'm just going to take, you know, that waiver wire pickup or, um, you know, that fifth, sixth round selection, you know, let me take a guy that was super athletic, has had a little bit of that athleticism zapped because of injuries, but let me take a chance on him. I mean, realistically, he could end up being the wide receiver four on that team if things pan his way. There we go. Which, how valuable is, how valuable is that? And eh, Not really, but, you know, as a UDFA, like, you know, you got a guy that's trying to fight for a roster spot. Oh, hey, we did it. That's a little bit of light shed. That's a little bit of optimism for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like it. Um, well, let us let me just bring us both back down to earth a little bit and just ask the question: Have we officially flatlined on Sean Tucker? Okay, so th- there's been mixed reports that I've heard about very bad medicals, mm-hmm. and that makes me wonder whether that's why he became a UDFA, like. Is that why he didn't get drafted is because it was really bad medicals. And if that's the case, like, man, I mean, it's concerning. But at the same time, like, there's still like that glimmer of hope, you it's know? Small, right? you look it's small, right? It's anybody. Look, look, look. Okay, well, let me, let me paint you a picture here. Okay. John Tucker goes out there in, in rookie minicamp. He goes out there in, you know, the preseason. And he's competing for the backup spot on that team against a washed up Chase Edmonds. He's Sean Vaughn, who, uh, what has he done? Patrick Laird. Don't even know who that is. Pretty sure he's a fullback. Pretty sure he's a fullback. And Ronnie Brown, another rookie. All right. So is there a path that he can potentially be the RB3? Maybe a path by end of season that he can be the RB2 on this team. I'm like it, man. The, the hope is shining through. We're, we're spreading the light. Said, it, there, there's like that with that little glimmer that like you can see at the end of the tunnel and you're like, 
there's something there. It was kind of like we were going through a tunnel that just got like more and more dark as we went forward, but at the, it was still at the end. There's just a little bit of light still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know that cord is just like sparking as it's just barely hanging into the socket. You know. Yeah, I mean, post draft, he he has turned into that guy where you can get him in like the fifth round or even just not draft him and no one does and you just pick him up on waivers he's become that guy and and in that case like what do you have to lose yeah well i mean why not if if i'm taking a a guy for my taxi squad i'm looking at athleticism and i'm looking at path to relevancy and to me i can tell a story much easier of sean tucker having a path to relevancy and becoming an rb2 at some point this season then like not rb2 fantasy but rb2 on the box um so and that that's all i'm looking for out of guys that i'm stashing on my taxi squad you know i'm looking for those guys that it's like do i activate this guy like i'm actually thinking in my head like oh like do i actually need to consider burning a roster spot on him I, I think that's well said. Yeah, I like that aspect of it. If like if you could tell the story, it's almost like talking yourself into it, but you're you're supplying it with facts, you know, on on how possible it is. I, I yeah, I like that that idea for sure. I don't know if I want to talk about the Bucks anymore. <laughs> think about my limit. And the, the the Bucks are in for a tough tough sledding oh. these coming seasons, which yeah. makes me really weary to own Bucks players. But at the same time, it's just like, man, if they're bad and the wide receivers are still there, they're still talented, you're going to assume that they're going to be behind. If you're behind, historically, you throw the ball a lot. Even if they're not quality targets and you're getting, you know, an 80% on target, maybe 70% on target, you know, clip out of the quarterback. So you're having 70% quality targets you get you know 130 targets i mean if we're talking 130 targets at a 70 percent on target assuming you know a 90 percent catch rate on the on target passes you're looking at like 80 receptions this is actually this hurts me physically to say i this is like the perfect place for baker mayfield (laughs) he doesn't even need to be that good he's got the guys that can absorb those poor targets and still make fantasy points happen so as gross of a team this is on an nfl scale this is actually like i'm sure you can find some pretty good value here there's there's some guys that you might want to have especially because everyone else is just jumping ship and it's just oh man these these still might be some guys that that can help you win uh, as gross as is to say yeah and i mean i would be genuinely curious i mean i know eric and i i can't remember Corey if we've talked about this or not but i know eric and i were talking about man what would it be like to make a fantasy team in a startup and just completely trade out of the first and second round and just go with those old crusty guys you know 
trade back out of the first and second, pick up an extra third out of each one of those trades, pick up, you know, hopefully a fifth and a sixth, and then just go after, you know, those guys in, in the third round. You know, say you get somebody like, I don't know, a Stefan Diggs in the third round. Like, you know, you get a Cooper Cup in the fourth round or in the third round end of turn. You get Austin Eckler with another third or fourth round pick. Like, you start writing a story to all of that. And you're just like, ah, like, you know, let me pick up Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you have your first four picks. You have extra fifth and sixth round picks that, you know, say in the fifth round you go with a Nick Chubb as an example, or you go with a George Kittle as an example, you know, the sixth round, you go with a Derrick Henry or you go with a Kirk Cousins. Like it sounds dirty, but it's just like, we started thinking about that and it's just like, man, if you really wanted to roll with those old crusty guys, like you could put a heck of a team together. And have that like one, two year window, and you're like, this is it. Like, if I do not win enough money to rebuild this team, like I'm 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 done. I'm toasted. Yeah. I mean, it's a consequence to that. I, I just feel like over the years you look back at it and you can almost trace the the drafts with these certain players uh that are now being like all at once considered dynasty assets that people don't want because they've reached a certain age and it, it traces you back to that to that select couple of drafts and like now's the time to strike in that regard if you want to go win it really does feel like there's an environment right now of everyone there's like a kind of a generation shift and everyone is abandoning all these proven guys for this next generation to come in and yeah i think that the the light can be a little blinding in that regard. At the end of the day, you want to win. If I wrote you a story saying, hey, you can get Chris Godwin at a sixth, seventh round startup pick turn value, and he's mm-hmm. going to have 85 receptions for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, that, that's going to put him very squarely in a wide receiver two category. And then I proceed to tell you, you know, you can also take Mike Evans in the middle of the 10th round, maybe early 10th round as a startup pick. And, you know, you're going to be looking at 75, 80 receptions for another thousand yard season because it's Mike Evans. And that's all that he does is put up thousand yard seasons and have another six touchdowns and you get low end wide receiver two production out of him. I mean, let's paint that story. Those are those are valuable valuable guys that will help your team win now 
if that's the direction that you end up going, especially at a sixth, seventh round turn and then a tenth round, mid to mid to early tenth round pick. I almost want to end it at you saying, let's paint that story. I, I think that might be a good ending. Sure. Just in concept, Corey, like Eric and I were talking about that and we're just like, man, like I kind of want to, part of me wants to just go find some like schmuck hundred dollar league and just be like, look, I'm in this for two years and just like trade every future pick that I have and just be like, you guys know exactly what I'm doing. I'm coming here to win and then just drop it after two years. Dude, yeah, just, I just just be just be like, yeah, I'm here to win it. Like, pay the dues. I don't. Even I want care. that like, as a story. Like, I want you to do I, that just to tell the story of it. I will pay the twenty four, twenty five, and twenty six dues, like three hundred dollars plus the twenty three season, so four hundred dollars. All right, if I can tell you four hundred dollars in a twelve team league. And you go super old, super crusty. Yep. Like, even if you come in second place, you get your $400. Yeah. And then the next year is just a free roll. Because you've already paid. So you're not paying additional money. And you get this a free is, roll at the season. This is a good This is a good idea. You need to do this. <laughs> so. This is sound logic. Yeah. <laughs> 